Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. If you are interested in learning how venture capital works, this is the episode for you. You're going to want to listen to it at least three times. Charlene Guerrero is a Chicago native and Filipina immigrant passionate about creating pipelines and mitigating equity gaps for under-resourced communities through investments and innovation. She focuses on early stage VC, especially across edtech, fintech, web3, climate, and AI-driven deals. Before becoming a VC, she started out as a CPA at Deloitte and worked as an operator at the fintech startup Next Capital. When I was first starting to raise capital for Nopaleta last year, I had no idea where to begin. I didn't know any venture capitalists. I didn't know how it worked at all. And so it's really so valuable when we have people like Charlene who are so generous with their information and also so clear at breaking it down so that you truly understand how this world of venture capital works. You're going to learn that what she has to do is so much what we have to do as well. We have to go out and pitch and raise money. She has to do the same. VCs have to do the same. You might be surprised to learn. Anyway, without further ado, here's Charlene. Hey, Charlene, how are you? Welcome to the Nopaleta podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Always a great time to reconnect with you, Sandra. I want to just dive right into how your journey into becoming a VC. Walk me through how you got to where you are. I know that you've had a journey, right, to get mm-hmm. to where you are, but I think it's so fascinating because when I was first trying to raise money, I, I was like, who are these VC people? How do I find them, <laughs> right? And, and then when I met you, I was like, you're so down to earth and so cool. Yeah, walk me through your journey of, of how you got here. Of course. Well, I also had the same impression of you, had a very nonlinear journey going into VC. So I started my career at Deloitte as a CPA. I'm an immigrant by background. So post 08, 09 recession, my parents were like, you better get a secure job and be financially independent. So I went that route, learned a lot, but realized corporate would not be for me long-term. And so I decided to do a complete 180 and go to a B2B fintech startup doing retirement robo-advising. And so That was a lot of buzzwords, but essentially they wanted to democratize quality retirement advice and I did their software operation. So that meant setting an audit and compliance framework to make sure their retirement advice was delivering what we were promising, working with the data science and data warehouse teams to see where the information was going, tracking that performance and then sharing reports with our customers. And then lastly, working on some back-end internal products to help facilitate all those operations smoothly. And so I love that a lot. I love startups because (laughs) you fail fast and you are able to pivot and ship quickly. But I wanted to go into education technology. I've been passionate about ed tech for a very long time. Education unlocked a lot of things for me. And so that was really the impetus for me to go to graduate school, pursued an MBA and master in public policy with a focus in education technology. But during my time there, I did an internship with Chicago Public Schools, and I'm an alumni of that. And I was like, 
uh, there's so many issues in education. Where am I supposed to start? How do I pick one tech startup? And so that's when I started looking more into venture capital because it would give me exposure to so many wonderful, creative and bold entrepreneurs really tackling tough issues. And so during my time in graduate school, I entered at a plethora of VC funds, Chincona Ventures out of Chicago, Reach Capital out of San Francisco that focuses strictly in ad tech, and then Harlem Capital in New York. And a common thread was all of them really want to create impact and support diverse founders. And for me, I wanted to expand my vision past ad tech because there's a lot of intersectionality with like healthcare and finance. And so that's how I found myself at Lair Hippo, just because they are early stage as well, but focus on a lot of areas and they actually want to do ed tech. Um, a lot of VCs tend to shy away from it. So I was happy to find them. Tell me a little bit about, so you're in this moment, you decide you're interested in venture. This is how you're going to make an impact. Mm -hmm. How do you even get into the room? Like, did you just call Chingona Ventures and say, hey, like, let me join your team. <laughs> I want to make an impact. How do you, right? Because for yes. me, it's like the proximity, right? It's about mm -hmm. the network. And I was very out of network. And so it, yes. it, it felt like I was climbing like the castle wall, right? So how did you climb the castle wall? Yes, for sure. I will say that pursuing an MBA is definitely a hack. And when I was in business school, I let everyone know I'm like super into ed tech. Like, this is why I want to go to VC. I want to empower people of color, women, LGBTQ plus founders. And I think in order to do that, you need those diverse check writers in the room. So I was very vocal about why I was pursuing VC. And so a friend, shout out Teak Chapa. If you are doing VC or you're an entrepreneur, you probably met Teak, but he connected me with Samara. And honestly, at the time I, uh, I was just starting my journey. So I am happy that she gave me a chance. The Reach Capital team also gave me a chance early on. And what I continue to do is really be vocal about my brand. It's not something for everyone, but I lean into it and it's worked for me. So hopefully I can be top of mind when it comes to what VCs want to support these types of founders and create that type of impact. I love, I think I met Teek at Stanford. That's probably yes. like at some yes, kind of like round table of VCs. Okay. Yes. I was like, there's only probably one person with that name. Right. It's a, <laughs> um, it's a great name. So for those that are interested, like maybe in following your path, right, that want to mm -hmm. make an impact through VC, tell us a little bit more of the nitty gritty. So you're like, okay, mm. uh, you get this opportunity from Chingona Ventures. Do you have to put money in to participate? I mean, at that stage, you're not a partner, right? You're just maybe right. learning. But mm -hmm. like as you scale and like where you are now, how does that mm -hmm. work like from a back-end finance perspective, as much as you're willing to share, obviously? Yes. So I would say if you're interested in VC, two paths, internships, and then angel investing. I'll start with the latter just because that gives you more autonomy to really go after the investments you want to, and then to practice like the VC framework, but you need to make a certain amount of money to do that. And so it's not always the most accessible pathway, but I know there are angel programs out there that'll give you a chance to do it in a more structured format. Maybe you don't necessarily have to put in like large checks, but that is one way to gain exposure. Another is internships. So Chingona Ventures is one. Harlem Capital is another that is more open to like if you're full-time or like you're an undergraduate student just because Chingona tends to focus on MBAs. And so searching for those types of programs is critical because one, you'll understand whether you like VC or you want to do investing at all. But for early stage, especially 
it'll give you a chance to focus on two things, which is diligence and then sourcing. So sourcing is pretty much just finding fantastic entrepreneurs such as yourself and building those warm relationships and really being an advocate for that particular startup, for that fund. And then the diligence is, you know, outside of being in love with the team, what are major areas of concern, because no startup is perfect, but essentially you want to de-risk as much as possible. And so you do research to build that conviction, and then hopefully you can take it to your investment committee, and then people will vote whether or not they want to move forward with the startup. But really, it's just about reps. Like I've been doing this for several months now, and I'm still like, okay, like, what am I really looking for? What are the key questions I have to ask depending on the industry? And so it just takes time. But I think just doing those two things and really participating in your local tech entrepreneurship ecosystem is great. One other resource I would say is any academic institutions because they tend to have demo days or events focused on founders. So I would do that and also get on Twitter. A lot of VCs and, and entrepreneurs are constantly tweeting. That's why I joined. That's yeah. That's totally like, why I joined Twitter. Up to date news, and you know, you can just meet so many awesome people through Twitter, and it's like totally normal. I've met a bunch of people through Twitter. Yeah. Well, first, I'm just dying to ask you this random question. Okay. What do your parents think about what you do? Like, do they understand what you do? <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny because. My mom is very risk adverse. So every time I told her I was switching careers, she was like, why? You have a good paying job. Like, why are you going to graduate school? That's so much debt. And it is a lot of debt. So fair questions for a mom. But when I said DC, she was like, I don't even know what that is. And it's funny because she'll right. do all this research. And then she's like, so when are you going to find the next Jeff Bezos? And I'm like, okay, mom, like, <laughs> I'll do my best to find the next Amazon. So I think she's she going to be an LP. Yeah, she understands it to that extent in terms of like what does success look like it's funny too because she was like did you see what happened with svb and i was like oh excuse me like that was that was like several hours after the fact and i was like can we just postpone this conversation until after we figure out what happened but i would say yes my mom and bless his heart my dad to an extent understand what i'm doing <laughs> Yeah, I love that. So now from like a VC perspective, right? I know you mentioned that, you know, you really have to practice like asking those questions. It depends on the category and the vertical, yes. right? When you're doing your diligence, but mm -hmm. what are like those questions that you ask everyone for founders that are trying to repair to talk to people like yourself? What mm -hmm. are the answers that they need to have at the tips of their tongues? Yeah. So questions that are uniform for all founders I speak to is understanding why they are pursuing this startup and problem, what really is the impetus for it and the why you, why your team. As an early stage VC, like you have to really, really believe in the team first before you even ask any of the other questions. Like there is an order of events to happen. And so having the team be able to storytell, like with you when you're like, okay, you know what, pandemic hit, like I'm going to do this out of my apartment because I think it's like so important to your ethos, like stood out to me outside of just like, oh, I want to create like another wellness brand. Right. So I think your story was just so impactful because it resonated with your identity. And that's what VCs just want to hear. It's just like the why you, why now, why this problem? 
Yes. And it seems like such a simple sequence of questions. Like yeah, why? It's hard. <laughs> why? Why you? Why now? But yeah. do you come across founders that don't have the answers to those questions? Or is it just that the answers are not compelling enough? Or what's the roadblock that prevents you from going further with a founder if those questions are not answered correctly? Is it a gut feeling? Like, do you mm. know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I honestly think part of it is that when you are selling to VCs, it is a certain type of sell that you're doing, certain language, certain jargon that if you don't have exposure to the industry, it's just super tough, right? Like if, when people reach out to me and ask for feedback, I'm like, oh, this requires like a one-on-one coaching session that requires a lot of time. So I highly advise people to get advisors to specifically help with that storytelling because like I cannot give you the advice you need and like 15 minutes via email. And I think it's just the lack of understanding too of what does it mean to hit venture scale? Because I meet a lot of fantastic, smart, great people where I'm like, I actually think you're going to generate millions of dollars a year, but we have a holdup in terms of how do you get from 30 million to like a hundred million dollars. And it is not easy. That is why that capital is super hard to get because you have to really shoot for the stars and more. And so I think it is well worth founders time to get an advisor that has gone through so many pitches to help them with the storytelling. Because a lot of the times I'm like, I actually think you know the answer, but the way you're presenting is not what I need <laughs> to share with my partners. Yeah. And that's just so tough, right? Because it's not really their fault. It's just how the industry is structured. But it's, it's definitely yeah. super hard. You know, it's so funny. One of the questions I've been getting a lot lately from other founders is, hey, can you recommend somebody to help me raise? And I'm like, no, I don't know who, like, do people do that? Because <laughs> I did it by myself and it was it's really tough. hard. Right. Uh, but I mean, are there people like, how would you even go about finding like, I hear what you're saying. It makes so much sense. Like founders, yeah. not every founder is a good speaker. Not every founder is mm -hmm. a good storyteller. Sometimes they're too cerebral. They know everything. They have the curse of knowledge. How do they communicate? Yeah their why and their mission, right? And why them and that confidence. You need like almost like a speech coach, you know what I yeah. mean? And where do people find those people? It's a great question. Honestly, my first gut instinct is to apply to some kind of accelerator. Like it doesn't have to be necessarily mm -hmm. like the YCs or the tech stars of the world. There mm -hmm. are some that are more dedicated, especially for like net new founders. And again, people from like an immigrant background where it's like, we just don't have anyone like that in our network. So I think Morgan Stanley has a lab dedicated to that. I think yeah. Visa might have a lab as well. And just like really finding those accelerators, ideally that are going to give you non-dilutive capital, which means like you don't have to give up your ownership and to really put you in a cohort with founders similar to you and then can actually have the resources that you need on a more personal basis. And like, again, honestly, would like use Twitter outside of just like using Google or even Chad GPT, honestly, to ask like, who are the best accelerators for like your type of company? I would advise you to yeah. do that. You know, I have to say, yes, I was in like four accelerators last year. It was a little bit yeah. too much, but it's one of lot. them was Tribute Ventures that really helped me yes. prepare. You only get good at pitching by doing it. And so you yes. need someone to help you practice, you know? Exactly. So yeah. 100%. Yes. So this is all super helpful. I want to just mm -hmm. ask you some last fire round questions. Okay. Because I think that everything that you've said is people now have actionable things they need to go do, right? Like mm -hmm. why you? Why this? <laughs> why now? Yeah. If you can't tell that story, go find someone, go on Twitter. You gotta be scrappy. Like all of those things. If you really want to be 
successful at anything, like whether it's a VC, whether it's a founder, like you have to go after it. Even as a VC, like nothing is going to be handed to me. I have to be very proactive and strategic and just be bold and go after what I want. And that's what you have to do as a founder as well. And like most of the time it's like, is all this effort worth it? Like, where is it going? Because the results are not instantaneous. You won't know for a very long time. That's just how venture works. Like the time horizon is yeah. long, but it's like, I would rather put in the effort and then find out than not put in the effort and just know I'm not going to get there anyway. Yes. And you know what? You said something that I think is really important that maybe a lot of founders don't realize is that you are also in the same position. Like you have to go and pitch to your other, to like your LPs or yes, partners, I have to, right? I have to, so, yes. I have to storytell yes. too. And that's something I'm working yes. on all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you have to go raise money for your fund, right? Like yes. VCs, it's not like, it's just like, they have to go get the money first before they give it to someone. Right. We're a pass through entity. It's not like yeah. our money that we've pulled, we have to fundraise from other larger institutions yes. and then invest yes. their money. We're exactly. a pass through entity, which, yeah, I think a lot of people exactly. don't recognize nice. Yeah. They're just like, Hey, Charlene, can you give me some money? Right. Yeah. <laughs> for, my, for my business. Yeah. So that's super important. All right. So I just want to ask you, what is it that really drives you? Like what you're doing is not easy. You know, like mm -hmm. we could have both chosen easier paths in life, you know, things to do. But when you wake up in the morning and you're like, you have that go-getter mindset, what is it that it's really driving you? Yeah, I, I think it just goes back to like why I wanted to go to VC in the first place, which is in order to get more diverse entrepreneurs, like very different lived experiences, you need those people in the room. And when I say venture scale, that means if I'm able to provide that capital to someone with a very like interesting Again, I keep overusing the word diverse, but I really mean it. Diverse background. That means they're creating the biggest scale, like huge man magnitude of impact for what could be an entire community. And so that's what fires me up. Like, trust me, the days can be hard. I wouldn't compare it to a founder because I honestly am in constant awe of what you're doing, especially in a market like this. But when the days are tough, I'm like, this is why I'm doing it. Like, I cannot wait to get my first founder from like sourcing all the way to check, supporting them in their journey, regardless of what happens. Because again, I like, I'm believing in the person, but that's what gets me fired up and why I want to keep going and then have some data points to show that I can be good at it. And then use that again to just amplify voices that are typically like overlooked or unheard. Yes. It's the impact. Yeah. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh my gosh. Honestly, this sounds so cliche, but to be yourself, <laughs> just because even when I was recruiting for VC and it's like, oh my God, people are super smart. Like everyone is super capable and it's like, okay, but what about you is different and what are you bringing to the table and just lean into like my strengths. Like, obviously we all have our weaknesses, but trying to figure out how do we get around that and how can we leverage that to really keep ourselves motivated and move forward. But yeah, I think just being yourself and staying true to your ethos. Yeah. It's easier said than done, right? I yes. Think I'm always 100%. telling people the most important thing you can do is get to know yourself. You need to yeah. know who you are. So can you describe your perfect day to me? Oh my gosh. Perfect day. That is <laughs> a great question. Honestly, <laughs> it's getting a lot of stuff 
done. But taking away from that, I think a perfect day would probably just be like hang out with my family and friends at like a barbecue. I'm Filipino, so then we do karaoke afterwards. Everyone's like singing and dancing. And so that would be like my ideal day off. But like ideal work days, I get a lot of stuff done. I can't, that's always the first thing that comes to mind. So <laughs> I know, I know. I love that barbecue followed by karaoke. Yeah, I, I want to come. I love karaoke. <laughs> Can I come I, yeah, with your family. <laughs> on a like rooftop or like in the park when the weather's oh. nice. Ideally, this is not during winter. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for. It just it goes back to what I've mentioned before, but just like championing others and uplifting people and creating more pathways because there are so many people in my life that did it for me where it's so hard for me to imagine my position if it was not for them. And they honestly had confidence in me when I did not have confidence in myself. So it's really important for me to give back and to champion and try to figure out a way to do it that's scalable. I think the tough part, and I'm sure you're in the same position where people look at you and you're so successful and there's not many women of color immigrants in our positions that you get a lot of outreach and you want to help everyone, but then you don't have the time. And it's like, uh, how do we do this in a scalable manner? And I'm so happy you started this podcast because I think this will address that pain point. But yeah, just really just being champions for other people. I love that. And yes, what you just said is correct. I, I feel terrible when people are like, can we just hop on a 20 minute Zoom? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't have time. But listen to yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now you're like, you know? here's some gems. Yeah. Yes, here's the resource library that I'm building for y'all. So Amazing. anyway, Charlene, thank you so much for your time. Such great insight. I think yes. you just gave us like the bullet points of what people need to know about what you do and yes. how it relates to us. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of what we do is very similar, you know, we're just on different <laughs> yeah. sides of the table, but thank Agreed. you so much for your time. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me. Shout out Nopalera products. I am actually going to get some more scrub <laughs> shortly. I love it. Like, like unsolicited, like I'm not being paid for this, but yes, go buy Sandra's <laughs> products. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Remember to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening from. Spread the word so we can impact and grow the community. If you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandralilevelasquez.com. But also visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your loved ones. Join the Nopalera mailing list to be the first to hear about new products, exclusive promos. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at nopalera.co. Stay resilient. <laughs>